0: pick up your bible listeners to this third episode of our new series. I'm so glad you joined us as we explore the New Testament, studying the words of Jesus. In this third episode, we don't move much further from the verses we studied last week of Jesus's baptism and how he explained the purpose behind it to John. John simply couldn't understand how a sinner like himself could baptize a sinless son of God and we got to study Jesus explaining this to him. After his baptism, we pick the story up today in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Let's pause right there because there's a beautiful and necessary reminder for us here. As Christians, We should not only know that the Lord goes before us into the desert, but also that he's the very one who leads us there. Yes, the Lord, as he did for Jesus in this verse, leads us into the wilderness, our specific places of suffering, to be tempted by the devil. He does this to expose us to our own vices and idols, that keep us from trusting that he is indeed enough in all circumstances. Just like the tree of the knowledge of good and bad exposed Adam and Eve's subliminal desire to be God's and 40 years in the wilderness uncovered the Israelites' inherent ungratefulness and their lack of faith, our own personal suffering and deserts reveal to us the darkest places of our hearts that we haven't surrendered to God. This kind of tempting can lead children of God to forget His commandments, His goodness, His faithfulness, and instead we run to answers, earthly answers, for comfort. God doesn't allow this kind of tempting to destroy us. He leads us here with the intention to convince us that He indeed is the strength in our weaknesses. Let's return to the passage. And after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Another good place to pause. When he was led to the desert to be tempted, why did Jesus fast? In his loneliness and fasting and deprivation of every kind of earthly answer, didn't that make him more susceptible to the devil? but this was intentional. Identifying with the plight of humans and training his physical body to instead be nourished and sustained by God and his every word helped Jesus to look to God and to defeat the devil in his wilderness. We see this in action when the devil comes to tempt him And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. In this very first temptation that the devil brings to Jesus, he's pretty much saying, Hey Jesus, you and I both know that you're God. Just like the Lord made manna to nourish the Israelites, just use your power and end your human hunger pangs. Turn these stones to bread. See, The devil doesn't doubt that Jesus has the ability to do it. It's not even about food at this point. He just wants to derail Jesus from his mission. Jesus' mission was to reconcile mankind to God by living a life of complete obedience and dying a sacrificial death, all in his human form. Oh, how the devil wants to derail this mission. Prying on Jesus' earthly hunger pangs, he reminds him that he is God and he has power. What harm could come from using it? Jesus knows this is not about bread. This is why right after his baptism and before his public ministry, Jesus chooses to fast and prepare for the devil's tactics. He knows that the devil is not concerned about his nourishment. Empowered by the strength of the Holy Spirit, Jesus responds, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Here Jesus is actually quoting from the book of Deuteronomy, when Moses tells the Israelites that they should never forget how God sustained them in the desert when they enter the promised land. In chapter 8, verses 2 and 3, we can read what Moses said. And you shall remember the whole way the Lord has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you and let you hunger and feed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Jesus knew that the wilderness experience and his physical lack that was being met by his spiritual nourishment was God humbling him for the task that lied ahead. The next three and a half years of Jesus' life is going to be ridden with the devil taunting him, but the Lord would sustain him through it all if he would humble himself and surrender to the work of the Holy Spirit. We see Jesus telling the devil that this is exactly what he intends on doing. The devil tries again. Matthew 4 verse 5. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. The devil first tried to tempt Jesus with a physical need, but hearing Jesus respond with the word of God, his next tactic is to make Jesus doubt the dependability of the word of God. It seems awfully similar to his game with Eve in the Garden of Eden. He first asked her if God forbade her from any fruit in the garden. He means to plant the same idea in every believer's head. God doesn't want you to go without, to suffer, to be unhappy. God's not like that. When Eve clarifies that God did indeed tell her not to eat of the tree, then the devil moves on to make her misunderstand, even doubt what God said. But here... Unlike Adam and Eve, Jesus knows God and his word so well, he responds in verse 7. Again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. I love that this is Jesus' response, because it's a great reminder for us even today. Less concern should be tagged to a godless world that is sinning itself into extinction. It's only natural that sinners behave as sinners, and God is still at work to redeem. But when I hear people who call themselves Christian misrepresent Jesus and his word to support their perverted agenda, I see the value of these red words in Matthew 4 multiply a thousandfold. When the world presents us with the idea that a woman should have a right to end a pregnancy because God cares about women's rights, we must be able to recognize this age-old tactic of the devil to skew God's word. When the culture tells us that there is no meaning to the words man or woman anymore, we must be able to discern that this is part of what God meant when he warned the early believers of sexual perversion that would try to enter the church. When the devil threw a scripture at him, misrepresenting the truth of it, Jesus says that entertaining those skewed meanings is equivalent to testing the Lord which we are clearly not to do. Jesus is again quoting from the book of Deuteronomy. Moses uses these words to warn the Israelites not to test the Lord like they did in Massa. What happened in Massa? This is described in Exodus 17. The Israelites during their 40 years in the desert didn't have water to drink and they were whining and complaining and grumbling. And they say to Moses... Is the Lord among us or not? That the Lord would withhold water for them was equivalent to God not caring. That meant to them that they didn't have God's favor. The Lord had clearly promised them that he was with them, but when their circumstance caused them to doubt, they questioned his trustworthiness. When we go through life and don't get what we desperately want or even need, like that promotion or a happy marriage, a healthy child, an essential real estate deal or that coveted scholarship or any other need that this world is sure to present, does it lead us to question God's favor upon our lives? This is a heart condition that must be desperately brought under the control of God's word. He promises us that despite circumstances and hardships, His love is steadfast and forever. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Whoa! Note that the devil didn't say that Jesus should worship him instead of God, but just that Jesus would worship him also. In our world today, there are many hills that entice us, claiming to be worthy to die upon. We feel the need to participate in the passions of the people around us and towards causes that they lay down their lives for because they've become gods to them. We mustn't fall for that great lie that we could worship the one true God and participate in the worship of little gods around us. To be a Christian means you are a Christ follower, one who follows in the path of Christ and his response to this great temptation. You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Him only. Again, Jesus is quoting Moses from Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 6, verses 10 and on. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, here Moses is again talking to the Israelites who are about to enter the promised land. And you live in great and good cities that you did not build and houses full of all good things that you did not fill and cisterns that you did not dig and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat and are full, Then take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It is the Lord your God you shall fear. Him you shall serve and by his name you shall swear. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are around you. You see, prosperity and power, either possessing it or even the opportunity to gain it. It has a way of distracting us from God and making themselves idols in our lives. And it may be so subtle that we don't even know what's happening. There are many obvious idols like money, power, work, social media, possessions, etc. However, we form gods of many other things in our lives as well. Spouses, children... Feelings, expectations, the current cultural dialogue, tolerance, experiences, suffering, the list goes on. The only rescue we have is to rein in every thought we have to conform to the word of God. When we read about the temptation of Christ and his three responses to the devil, it's easy to just go through these verses thinking, well, Jesus and the devil had a showdown and Jesus won. Obviously, we get this passage so clear, but I'm glad you joined me today to slow down and study these verses a little bit more and to understand the richness of what Jesus is saying here when he identifies with the people of Israel and their journey through the wilderness and he conquers the devil Like we discussed before, Jesus' mission was to come in human form and live a perfect life of obedience and die an undeserved death of sacrifice to reconcile mankind to God. These verses in which we read about how Jesus fought the tempter, they remind us that he didn't accomplish this task in his God nature in which he had supernatural power to do it. Rather, as one who was fully obedient to God's word and completely surrendered to the Holy Spirit. Thank you for joining us on this third episode of Jesus Said What? Remember to subscribe to the podcast so that you get notified every time we come out with a new episode. Follow us on Instagram, Pick Up Your Bible, and email me with comments, questions, suggestions, encouragement, and any feedback at CynthiaPickupyourBible.com. God bless you listeners. Catch you next week.